بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في العرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره Alhamdulillah, we are able to have this session tonight in Vancouver. And what I thought uh, uh, would be maybe a good way of uh, benefiting from this time is to talk about uh, the issue of death and divine reward and punishment according to Ayatollah Mutahari's book Divine Justice. So in a way I am also uh, using this as a kind of a replacement for the lecture that I have on Wednesday in Jose in London. So I thought we mix these two together. Uh, those of you who are not familiar with this book, Adila uh, Ilahi Divine Justice, this is one of the best books by Ayatollah Mutahari uh, that he wrote himself because some of the books are based on his lectures and are compiled after his martyrdom. This is one of the books that he wrote himself and spent lots of time and has very important discussions uh, not only to understand divine justice but also to understand the whole concept of creation and there are many many beautiful points there. So now in the Jose in London uh, after studying uh, different books on Aqaid and Baba Hadi Ash, we thought uh, we studied this, and so far we have had uh, many sessions. So tonight I thought we talk about the issue of death. We continue a discussion that we had before. why there is need for death. Some people have thought it's a kind of wastage that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates us and then we have to die. And then he creates new people, then they have to die. So why we should do this? They said it's like someone making containers from clay completing and then breaking then making again and then breaking so they have not understood what is death one point which we explained before is that death is relative issue we don't have absolute death we die in one condition, but then we are born into a new condition. For example, we were some chemicals, some materials, then we became like plants, then we became an embryo, then we became a human being. So we go to different stages, and when we die physically, our spirit will carry on. So there is no absolute death. We discussed this in details before. Another thing that Ayatollah Mutahari mentions here is that this world has a limited space. If we wanted to keep everything as it is, 
then there would be no chance for new things to come. For example, if you had all the flowers in a garden from last year, then you would not have new fresh flowers. You have to have replacement. Something goes and something else comes. If all people who used to live, for example, 1,000 years ago on this planet, if they were all alive, then we could not have come to this world. And if we are going to be here forever, then new generations would not be able to come. So everything goes and takes the place to the others. In time, we don't have limitation. You can have as many generations as you want. But in a space, there is limitation. If you say, okay, Allah can create other planets and create human life, for example, and other types of life in other planets. He says, this is not going to solve the problem. Because again, in every planet, this question comes. What do you want to do? You want to keep one generation or you want to carry on? But there is a very important point here. The people who think that this is just a repetitive cycle, they have not understood a very important point. In addition to what we said that every new generation needs to be given opportunity, we should understand that when a generation comes before goes away, qualifies itself for going to another level. So the body dies, but the spirit continues. Like, for example, if you have uh, a shell, inside that shell, pearl is formed. Okay? You have to wait till that pearl becomes complete. Then you open it, you break the shell and take the pearl. That shell can be again, uh, no analyzed, dissolved, and again another shell takes form, it takes time, then we would have a new pearl. This can go on for many times. But the thing is that each time we are getting a pearl out of it. So it's not like making containers of clay and just destroy. Our body takes form, then through substantial motion through the harakat johari as we say of the body a certain point a spirit is created allah creates the spirit and this spirit never dies body again goes to the process and finally becomes body of an animal or another human being if it's become another human being again a spirit can come out of it but the body goes back and will be recycled but the spirit is not recycled so, two things. One is that death has to be there so that there would be enough chance and opportunity for new generations to come. But secondly, this is the way of our spirit being upgraded to the next world, to the next level. And if this was not there and we were going always to be here, means our spirit is always in the cage would never be able to go to the world of the spirits. So this is something that we have to remember. There is a beautiful poem in Farsi and it says Az ranj kashidan adami horgardat by taking the pain and suffering a human being becomes hor. Hor means free. So when you take the pain, you become free. Katre chokeshad hapse sadaf durgatat. A drop of water goes inside the shell, remains in 
that prison and then becomes a pearl. So you have to go through some level of suffering. Then he says, for the people who have clear understanding of what is the real life, what is the life after death, they would never say, why God created death? The people who think death is end of human being, end of our life, they have questions, they are puzzled, why there is death? But if you understand what comes after death, you would never be questioning that. Like an embryo uh, that is in the womb of mother and then is going to be moved to a much greater space, much greater life, much greater experiences. That embryo, if knows what is going to be available, would never, you know, complain why, you know, you are taking me out of here. Indeed, would be very happy. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith which is attributed to him, he said, Kama tanamun tamutun. Death and a sleeping is not, are not very different. A sleeping is like a, you know, weak death. In the same way that you sleep, you die. And in the same way that you wake up, you will be resurrected. So, is anyone going to question why we are sleeping and waking up? No. So those who think death is not followed by anything else and death is end of everything, they may be wondering, but those who believe that death is just a transition to another stage, then they would have no difficulty in understanding this. One of the famous Muslim philosophers is Sheikh Sohrawardi, Sheikh Shahabuddin Ishraq Sohrawardi. He is the founder of, uh, it seems this aspect, he is the founder of Hikmatul Ishraq, Illumination Philosophy. He says, we do not recognize anyone as a Hakim, as a philosopher, or someone who is expert in theosophy, unless he is able to separate his soul from his body means to have voluntary death. In some of the discussions we talked about voluntary death. So for them this was something very common and said before being able to do this you are not a philosopher. So someone who has experienced separation of soul from body then for him death is like changing the rest. In nothing more than that. We only experience death normally once. And this is why we are very worried. You know, imagine if in your life, for example, you were 40 years, 50 years, 30 years, and you had never slept. And now they ask you to sleep and they say, you know, you may not wake up. Because anytime you sleep, you may not wake up. So, you would be frightened to death if you are going to sleep. But now, because we have slept and, you know, have experienced many, many times, it has become normal for us. If death was also something that you had experienced it many times, it could have become much more easier for us. Some people have made... A question or objection. Uh, I don't know if you have heard uh, the name of Khayyam. Khayyam 
is a famous poet but also astronomer and there is a kind of discussion a kind of uncertainty whether we had one Khayyam or two Khayyam because there is one Khayyam that looks to be atheist <laughs> he always complains and you know objects but uh, some people say maybe it's another Khayyam or maybe he just wants to mention these things in a poem anyway he says in this poem he says Ta zuhrevo mah dar asman gasht padid behtar zemeye nab kas hich nadi from the time that venus and moon have been created nothing better than wine has been created so so wine is the best thing then he says man dar ajabam zemey furushan kishan he says, I am surprised. These people who sell wine, they sell wine to buy what? What can they get better than what they sell? Okay, so they are selling wine and then, for example, taking money. Then what is the best thing they can buy again? It's wine. So why they do this? Ayatollah Mutahari mentions a story. He says, when we were in Qom, there was a person who used to sell books in Madrasi Faiziyah, which is next to the Haram. And this person was sometimes saying strange things. One day, a Talab went to buy a book from him. He said, I don't sell you a book. He said, why you don't sell? He said, because if I sell you, then I have to buy another book and sell. So why I sell you? So, I tell what I says, what Khayyam says is like this person, the Finnish, you know, bookseller, that says, I don't sell the book because then I have to buy again and sell. He says, the problem with these people is they don't understand the extra value which is created in this selling and buying. Yeah. So, for example, you sell a book, but then you make a profit. Then you can buy two books, or you can buy a book, but also buy some food. So, if people look at us and just see our physical body, they say, Allah is not making any profit. He's creating and wasting, creating. But when they see that there is extra profit, and that is the spirit which is created, then they cannot be objective. Then there is a discussion here, which is what we had also in Aqaid about resurrection, but here there's a more detailed discussion, is about punishment or reward for our actions. One of the things that we use to prove resurrection, as you remember, we had two arguments normally in the books of Aqaid. Sometimes we argue from divine justice, sometimes we argue from divine wisdom. So we say the people who do something bad, they should receive justice. And many times this justice cannot be exercised in dunya. Because people up to the last moment, maybe they have power. Or maybe they have done so much bad things that even if you take their life, it's not enough. Someone who has killed 1,000 people, 1 million people. How can in dunya you give them justice? On the other hand, there are people who have been oppressed, people who have done lots of good things. Dunya is not enough to give them, you know, the reward. Especially if someone is killed, someone is martyred. So his life is finished. What can you do in dunya for him? So there must be another world in which full justice is observed. But the question some people make is there must be a kind of match between the action and reward and punishment. 
if someone has done something, the punishment or reward must be proportionate. For example, if he has made a big crime, the punishment should be also proportionate. If it has been less, the punishment should be less. There must be some similarity. But it seems that the punishments that we hear about them in the hereafter are much more than the crimes that people may commit in dunya. For example, the Quran says, Man qatala nafsan mu'minan muta'ammidan bighayr jaza'in Sorry, muta'ammidan fa jaza'uhu jahannam khalidan fiya. Man qatala mu'minan muta'ammidan the one who kills a believer deliberately, he would be in hell forever. Or the one who eats the money of the orphans unjustly, he is eating fire. They say it's too harsh. Why someone forever should be in hell if he has killed one person? Why someone should be, you know, punished like this in for eating the money of the orphans? So for this reason, he has a very good discussion here. And this is uh, what we mentioned tonight. Inshallah, we finish. First of all, we should remember that no action would remain without being somehow rewarded or punishment even in dunya. Even in dunya, especially those actions which are about other people. Maybe something which is haqqullah only, Allah is patient and delays the punishment. The punishment. But when someone has done zulm to other people, or has done good to other people, in dunya he would see the result. But not complete result, but part of it. So, no one should think that he can run away from his or her actions. In dunya, partly, but in akhirah, completely. In Sermon 96 of Nahjul Balaqih, Amirul Mumin alayhi salam says, in If Allah gives muhla, means if Allah gives some time to the unjust people, to the oppressors. Okay? For example, like Hitler, like Saddam, people like them, that maybe still they have some power and they are still, you know, ruling. It's not that as soon as they do something, crime, a criminal, for example, they are destroyed. in it's not that Allah is losing his control, Allah is not going to take them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting for them where they are moving. Like someone knows, for example, that every day you are at this time going from this route to your work. So he knows where to find you. Allah knows where we are going and he is waiting. So if someone who is Zalim should not think that he has run away. Allah is waiting for him. So definitely there is going to be justice. But in order to understand the mechanism, we have to consider few points and then we have to, inshallah, see how many types of punishments are there. The first point to understand the difference between this world and the hereafter. Although there are similarities, but there are differences. 
First, dunya is the world of change. Dunya is not fixed. Everything in dunya expires. But akhirah is the world of stability. There is no motion. There is no change. There is stability. So you have to remember these two things. So don't expect in akhirah, for example, something that is... Uh, Temporary, something which is quick, something which is, you know, expiring soon. These two are different. The second point. In dunya, we don't have pure life. In dunya, life and death are mixed, are combined. Look at us. Our body was dead. Now it is alive. Soon our body becomes again dead. Yeah, but in the hereafter, you have complete life to the extent that Quran says, hayawan. hayawan means life. In the hereafter, everything has life, even objects have life, even a sand, water, tree fruits, everything there, they have <coughs> life. And that life is permanent. So in dunya, some things have no life, some things have life, but those who have life also, their life is subject to finishing. But in akhirah, everything is alive and everything has permanent life. The third thing is that in the hereafter, we harvest what we have planted in dunya. So the third thing that we have to remember. In dunya, we are not uh, you know, believing in what those who believe reincarnations, they say. You know, some people say that your condition in this life is based on the previous life that you had. If in the previous life you did well or did you know bad based on that you are brought back back here either you are put in a human being or in an animal or some people used to say in a plant and then based on that you would experience this life we say no in dunya we start with everything in our control as much as our happiness is concerned of course there are many things which are out of our control but it is me and you that we determine our happiness, our sa'adat, in this life, not before. It's not that everything is predestined. Or, you know, we had another, for example, life in someone else's, you know, body. No. We make our happiness in this life. Good actions, bad actions, good qualities, bad qualities, everything we make it in this life. But then we are going to have another life in which we see what we have planted, what we have acquired. You know, there are many hadiths about this. For example, the famous hadith Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ad-dunya mazra'atul Akhir. Dunya is the farm for the hereafter. In the farm, you plant things, and the same thing that you planted, but with some growth, you can harvest. You cannot expect to harvest something that you have not planted, or something that another farmer has planted. You have to plant it yourself. Amir al-Mumin said, اليوم عمل ولا حساب وغدا حساب ولا عمل Today we act, you act and there is no questioning right now. Tomorrow there is questioning but no action. 
In another hadith, Amirul Mu'mini said, Ibad Allah, al-an fa'amalu, wal-al-sunu mutlaqah, wal-abdanu sahihah. Now that your body is healthy, it functions, and your tongue is free, do what you want to do. A time comes that you cannot even move your tongue. You cannot do anything. That time, you cannot, you know, say, please send me back, I will, you know, do everything. No. So, this is another principle to remember. That the relation between this world and the next world is the relation between a farm and what you harvest afterwards. Fourth, this is also a very beautiful point. In dunya, we are interacting with each other. In dunya, there are lots of interactions. We are like passengers of the same boat. If someone is not careful, can affect lives of other people. If I have good friends or bad friends, it can affect me. Good parents can affect their children. Bad parents can affect them. Teachers, neighbors, all friends. Lots of interactions in dunya. But in the hereafter, no one is going to affect you. Although we still will be living together. But no one can harm me or no one can benefit me unless I have already planted for it. You know, for example, Shafa is possible, but Shafa is something that you have to work for it and prepare and qualify for it. So, in dunya, sometimes we cannot have full justice. Why? For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at this person. This person has children. If he is going to you know, be punished soon... The children are innocent. Family are innocent. Lots of friends, you know, parents, they will suffer. So many things to consider. But in the hereafter, every person is responsible for his or her action and situation. And it would not affect other people. Of course, he says that in the heaven, people who are together, they also love each other, there is no hatred, nothing bad between them. In hell, they live together, but they cannot help each other, and actually the Quran says, they curse each other. But the principle is, there is no interaction in the sense of, someone can change your situation, someone can change your condition without you doing anything. This is not possible. So you are responsible for what you do. La tazeru waziratun wazra ukhra. So, four principles. This world is the world of changes. It's not fixed, it's not stable, but the hereafter is fixed and stable. The second thing is that in this world we don't have pure perfect life life and death are mixed and combined in the hereafter it's pure life the third thing is that in this world you do things but the results come later and the fourth as is that in this world we have common destiny somehow not hundred percent because two people from the same family one of them can you know 
go to good direction and to a bad direction. But somehow they interact. You have to protect yourself from bad people. You have to expose yourself to the good people. But in the hereafter, there is no such a thing. So, Ayatollah Mutahari says, there are three types of relations between actions and reward and punishment. We have it also in some other books, but here it's very well explained. One type of relation is based on a decision, a kind of contract or agreement that is made in a society. They say, if you drive with this speed, this is the penalty. If you do this transaction, this is the penalty. If you, for example, import or export this material, this is the penalty. So it's based on agreement, on legislation. It can vary from country to another country. But basically, what is common between all societies is that no society would tolerate crimes, would close their eyes to the crimes. Maybe they don't consider something as crime sometimes, because they have different moral systems, legal systems. But if something is considered to be crime, there is a punishment for it. Part of the reason for punishment is to stop other people or the same person in future repeating this. Part of the reason for punishment is to give courage and some kind, a kind of compensation to the people who are mistreated, those who are oppressed, those whose rights have been violated, when they see the unjust person is brought to justice, they feel a little bit, you know, satisfied. A little bit, they feel that the burning pain of the crime is taken away. But this type of relation is not what we have in Akhirah. The relation that we have in dunya, that one country, one parliament, one government passes a law and says, you know, this is the punishment in order to stop people, in order to give satisfaction to the mazloom, to the oppressed. We don't have such thing in Akhirah. Why? Because, first of all, in Akhirah, no one is going to repeat what they have done in dunya. So there is no... If your worry is people shouldn't repeat this, should be, you know, given a lesson, in Akhirat there is no need to do this because no one has chance to do more crimes. And also, what satisfaction gives to people, especially if they are awliyaullah, the people who are very good people, to see that some people are, you know, being punished because of them being wronged. It's not going to help them that much. If you give them something great as a reward, that's good. But to see that other people are being, you know, hurt, it's not going to help them that much. The issue is much higher than this. The second type of relation is cause and effect relation. Sometimes the reward or punishment are not based on a legislation or a contract or agreement. It's real, existential. For example, when you study hard, what is your reward? Knowledge. Do we need to pass a law in the parliament that whoever studies will get knowledge? No, no, this is automatic. If you try to be generous, Generous with this person, generous with that person, generous with you know money, generous with time. And after some time, you become a generous person. This generosity that you have achieved is the result of your practice. We don't need to agree that we want to give this person generosity as a reward. 
This is existential. Okay? So, sometimes punishment and reward are the outcomes or the effects of what we have done. Especially, especially this happens to certain actions. For example, as I said, the people who do zulm, they quickly see dunya the result. Especially if you do zulm to your parents. Or if you do good to people, especially to your parents, to relatives, even in dunya we would see the result. Uh, Ayatollah Mutahari mentions a story about one of the Abbasid caliphs, you know, the one who is very famous, you know, Mutawakkil. You know, Mutawakkil was a very bad person. And he used to also curse Ahlul Bayt. So his own son, when so that his father is saying bad things about Lady Fatima, asked what is the punishment? They said such person, you know, needs uh, severe punishment. But they told him, you shouldn't do this because it's your father. And although Mutawakkil was a very bad person, had killed, you know, Imam, you know, so he was a very bad person. But they said, if you are going to kill your father, although he deserves this, it is not good for you. He said, I don't bother. If he is saying bad things about Lady Fatima, I am going to kill him. So he killed him, and in six months he himself was killed. We have also this about one of the battles in the time of the Prophet, when they had, you know, one by one battles. So a man on the side of the pagans came, and his son, who had become a Muslim, went to fight him. They told him, you shouldn't fight your father. He said, no, he has come to kill Muslims, and, you know, so... They said, your life will be shortened. So even if your father is a very bad person or your mother and you do what they deserve, still you would see something bad happen to you in dunya. So there are things in this world that they have their consequences, whether you know or you don't know, whether you like it or you don't like, you are a good person or bad person, the consequences are there. If someone is kind with his relatives, visits them, looks after them, helps them, whether he's moment or kafir, he would see lots of good things in dunya. There is no doubt about this. But Again, we say this is not enough. This doesn't explain Akhirah. Akhirah is more than this. So it's not based on a decision, legislation, contract. It's not like cause and effect. What the Quran tells us about Akhirah is that actually you would see your own action. So, Akhirah is nothing other than opening your eyes to what you have been doing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, People come in different groups to be, so that they will be shown their own actions. They will be shown. Even if you do a little particle of good, you will see it. Not you will see the outcome. You will see the action. There is a, a story that 
one of the wives of the prophet after a lady came to Rasulullah she, there was a lady and uh, she somehow imitated the physical appearance of that woman in a sense of like you know ridiculing something like this Rasulullah said bring that meat flesh from your teeth because has done ghaybah so it's the same ghaybah the same act of ghaybah that is manifested in eating the flesh of a dead brother or sister and there are many verses about this for example يَوْمَ تَجَدُ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا عَمِلَتْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ مُحْبَرًا Surah Al-Imran verse 30 Every soul would find what they have done presented to them. You see your own actions. وَمَا عَمِلَتْ مِنْ Also whatever bad you have done, whatever good or bad, you will be seeing that. When it comes to the bad action, they wish there was a big distance between them, like a wall between them and their bad actions. Or in Surah Kahf, verse 49, They found what they have done present. Those who misappropriate the money of the orphans, they are eating fire. Ya Allah says, you should have piety. And you should watch what you have sent in advance. So, whatever, if we can remember this, whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever good or bad qualities we have, these are making our heaven and hell. I don't want to say this is the only thing. Of course, Allah can multiply your good actions. Allah can give you his blessings. But the basis, the main thing is our own actions and words and qualities. Our own ideas. So, it's the same kind of hell or heaven that right now we have actually made, but we are not able to see. Quran says, يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرًا مِنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ عَنَ الْآخِرَةِهُمْ غَافِلٌ They know only the surface of this life. And they are heedless about Akhirah. So Akhirah is the inner side of this life. You know, you see two people in the same room. One is very happy. One is very sad. One is, you know, hopeful. One is hopeless. You know, one is very, you know, much enjoying life. Another person is depressed. Why? Their condition seems to be the same. The, the answer is you see the surface. But every person, no matter you know whether they are physically living together, they are living in a world that they have created. Me and you are enjoying or suffering what we have created. If you are a good person, a nice person, a person who wants good for everyone, 
then you are already living in a heaven. And not only you enjoy, even people who are in touch with you see and smell the fragrance of heaven. But those who are vicious people, they are in hell that they have created and other people also will be burnt by them. Living with such people is not easy. So, the conclusion is that what we are going to have as reward and punishment is not something that is made according to a contract, according to legislation, then you can question, you know, why it's so much? It's the same thing. Nothing is added to what you have created and fabricated. Even it is interesting that when it comes to good side, Allah may help, but in the bad side, it's yourself. You know, uh, Quran very beautifully talks about heaven and hell and their relation with us. For example, Uzlifatil Jannatu Lil Muttaqin. Heaven is brought nearer to the pious people. But when it comes to hell, Hell is made manifest. So hell is there, just it's under a cloth, like a cloth. You remove the clothes, they are in hell. But Jannah is brought closer. So, Allah has favor by making heaven easier, more accessible to us. But he never makes hell more accessible. So, مَا ظَلَمْنَاهُمْ وَلَكِنْ كَانُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ So, we have to know that the basis is what we have done, what we have achieved. And basically, we are going to see the same thing in the hereafter. Okay, I stop here. And we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to live such a life that we would not regret on the Day of Judgment except why we have not done more, why we have not been benefiting from our life more. May Allah, inshallah, forgive all our sins and mistakes and shortcomings and give us determination and understanding and sincerity of intention so that we would be always doing good things so that he would be pleased with us. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alam.